Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the HR Cartel Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dive. Thank you for joining me again. Um, once more, before we get started on all this, if you do enjoy this podcast, do me a favor and whatever you're listening to this on, give it a, a, a like or a follow or a subscribe, whatever it is, whatever platform you're listening on. It'll be wonderful to have you um, join with us and, and it'll help the community as well. Um, so where are we today? It's the beginning of September and the Labor government's new industrial relations bill, the closing closing the loophole bill, I think they call it, um, has been pretty contentious and full of complexity and um, frankly, I don't think a lot of it's been very well thought through. We've been misrepresented uh, or misleaded on certain facts and, and things have been misrepresented by the government, clearly. Um, and in fact, yesterday the Senate voted to um, – to subject that bill to some more scrutiny, to um, to a investigation or into a report, based on um, you know just just the extent and the broad scope of exactly what that bill presents, because if you're an employer in this country, that bill is a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. And thankfully, the Senate has uh, stopped that going through, and they understand clearly that the um, the, the the overreach. Of that bill is going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of a lot of employers, um, but is that the end of it? No, it is not the end of it. This uh, this closing the loophole bill will be back in uh, February next year. Um, if you pay attention to the dates that are being painted about now, but by February one next year, this report will be done, and um, along the way, hopefully all the multiple stakeholders that are actually impacted by this bill uh, will have been consulted with and, uh, yeah, it should undergo a fair bit of change um, with any luck, with any luck for the employees of Australia because it needs it. It needs it. I thought I'd just talk about some of the things that would, would have me really concerned with respect to what this government's trying to do now with this bill. Um, the, the, it, it is absolutely correct when... We hear legal firms and um, you know, university professors, Professor Andrew Stewart from, um, I think he's he's from Adelaide. I don't know which uni he's from down there. I can't recall, but he's he's the leading guy in employment law, you know, in 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 the country. Essentially, he helped draft the Fair Work Act with the Labor government back in two thousand and nine or whatever that was. Um, and I actually saw he saw him talk and met him um, a few years back now. I think twenty eighteen it would have been in the Barossa Valley at the national. Uh, employment relations conference that year um, and he's a very smart guy now even he's coming out with concerns you know even even he is saying that we've been mis misled especially on the same job same pay stuff with respect to labor hire um, uh, contractors and service contractors and that sort of thing but even even he's saying that we've been mis- misled by the government on 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 how far that reaches and um, and the proposed carve outs as they've referred them. Uh, referred to them as for genuine service contractors where, um, you know, a specific type of service provider will be carved out of coverage by the same job, same pay bill, um, which which is where, you know, um, the wages payable under an enterprise agreement must apply to workers on working the same job in the same site um, uh, who are not covered by the enterprise agreement. Uh, and there's problems with that. And I'll, we'll go... 
a bit further on that. But essentially what they were saying was, what the government was saying was that genuine service contractors, you know, not typical labour hire, but genuine service contractors wouldn't be covered by that uh, by that bill. Um, Professor Andrew Stewart, however, in today's Fin Review, explicitly um, or is reported as explicitly saying it's the exact opposite. The bill does say it covers those contractors. The bill does say it covers service contractors, but only where a commissioner deems it fair and reasonable, um, you know, that they, they may apply it. So that essentially that means that it's up to a commission member, which is a fair work commissioner. It's up to a commission member to decide if a service contractor will be covered or not. But the the, the bill covers contractors, covers service contractors. Um so that's a real concern, right? That's a real concern. But we'll talk about a bit more about that, I'm sure. Um, I want to just point out my my main concern um, from reading between the lines of everything that's going on, right? Now, many, many months ago, December last year, um, I unfortunately predicted, right? And the, um, the, the mention of same job, same pay and this sort of stuff and um, that was being bantered about by the government and, and the intentions that were being bantered about. Um, you know, eight months ago, I was saying that I, I honestly believe that this is just trial rhetoric to try and get um, the the high, co- the high court rulings reversed for independent contractors, so to bring independent contractors back into this multifactorial test that was so confusing for so many businesses and employees in the country for so, such a long time. They're bringing that back in. Um, so the High Court ruling, that Jamset case, which was that Deliveroo case, I believe, um, where the High Court ruled that the contract is essentially king. If it's that you've got a contract that says you're a contractor, then you're a contractor. If that's what you agreed to, you're a contractor. Now, if you, you know, it doesn't mean there's no such thing as sham contracting anymore. There is. But it made it very simple for employers in Australia to use contractors where they see fit and for people to enter independent contracts that suited them so uh that was that was awesome clarity and thankfully we're going to have that for a bit longer with the delay that the senate's done um with this bill but my main concern reading through the lines of today so from eight months ago all the changes that have come through from december last year and now for this next bill to be put into the into the senate um it's very clear to see it's easy to see that Labor's entire intention is to unionise the nation. Um, now that sounds a little bit out there, right? Sounds a little bit, oh, you know, conspiracy theorist sort of sort of talk. But um, it's not hard to see when 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 I map this out. So the the bill proposed to the Senate um, essentially states that delegates, so union delegates and union representatives, will be able to. Uh, lawfully become involved and represent the industrial interests of non-members um, in in a workplace, right? And the wording used was potential members. Currently, the wording is so. Let's, let's say a union gets an entry permit, um, and you, they have to have the entry permit to enter the site, um, but they can only represent the interests of their members and not anyone else. They can only demand documentation and information about their members and not anyone else. So information like pay slips, pay records, financial information, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so uh, they can currently 
also set up in your workplace if they've got a, a, an entry permit, set up in a lunchroom or whatever it is and you've got to tell all your staff where they're going to be, what time they're going to be there, what day they're going to be there and non-members can come and talk to them. So they can talk to potential members right now but they cannot represent and investigate and obtain documentation and private information and confidential information, all that sort of stuff for non-members. They can't do that right now. So this extends way beyond the reach that a delegate will have now. Why is that important? What happens when a, um, a union has the right to agitate and to investigate and demand documentation for a non-member, um, it, it, or uh, let's, let's rephrase that, a potential member, um, th- that means that essentially any workplace in the nation that has employees who are covered by an award who would be a potential member of a union who covers that industry, um, they're all now within the reach and control of a union delegate. And, okay, there's good and bad to that, right? That means that you don't have to be a union member to have a union go in and correct some sort of bad practice or some sort of mistaken practice or, a, or an, even an intentional underpayment or a wage theft claim or something like that. Sure, that's great, right? Um, but what would unions actually use that for? Because th- those cases are very rare, right? R- regardless of how much um, employer bashing unions might do and, um, and, and all sort of stuff. Um, how many genuine intentional wage theft cases are there? Not many, right? Not many. So these powers will be used to tie up workplaces. Now, if you're if you're a uh, if you're a union delegate and you've got instructions from your union to um, to start to apply pressure, to start to apply scrutiny to your employer, um, and uh, you know, and this bill, by the way, also. Uh, requested that employers pay union delegates to have time off work to go and be trained by the union and then come back into your workplace. Now, what do you think they're getting trained in there? You know, they're not being they're not getting trained in how to be a better employee for you, right? They're being trained in union interests. Um, those rights will ha- allow a delegate to tie up your business in requests for documentation, requests for auditing um, pay and wages and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, all they have to do is suspect the contravention of the Fair Work Act and allege it against you and have your business tied up in trying to produce all this documentation for them and, and cause all this hassle, right? But wait, there's a way you can get around it. Just sign this enterprise agreement and we'll, and we'll, and then we'll be satisfied. We'll be satisfied that you agree to these better conditions and and that from today on we'll forget everything we're talking about. We'll forget all the issues we're raising with you. We'll stop tying you up. Just sign this enterprise agreement, right? And then we're all good. From today on we'll move forward. We'll forget the past. Just sign this. All your problems will go away. What a load of shit that would be, right? That's that's the beginning of your problems. Um, Mark my words on that. Um, So, you know, Reading between the lines, this is what this is what this government's trying to do, right? They owe the ACTU and their union friends uh, big time for the millions upon millions of dollars they were given to win the election, uh, for all the all the um, volunteers on the ground, all the union members who are pushed to go and rally and 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 promote local members and that sort of thing. Um, 
this government owes the, the unions. Um, and they've publicly, as I said it before, they've publicly stated that they're coming for what's theirs and if uh, the government doesn't give them what they owe them, they're going to target the government. Um, John John Secker, CFMEU, Victoria, said that specifically. Um, so, um, you know, this is what we're seeing now. This bill, it's been correctly titled a union wish list, um, this closing the loopholes bill. It's exactly what it is. Um, and thankfully, we've got a Senate who put the brakes on this and said there's no way, there is no way that we as a as a government will impose uh, this eight, these 800 pages of changes um, which you've presented to the Senate and just impose it on employers without understanding what's going on and without further stakeholder engagement. Because we all know the government's stakeholder engagement is absolute bullshit, right? Um, they, they've been accused since, since probably November last year of, of fake consultations by the, by the business community and it would make sense. For example, you know, this... Um, this this issue with uh, um, same job same pay and and the, the issue that the, that businesses have raised with it, you know the the bill as it's proposed does not even say what labour hire is. It doesn't define labour hire. It doesn't define service contractors. It doesn't define what fair and reasonable is and what it means when the commissioner has to apply a rule whether service contractors are going to be dragged into same job same pay or not, um, and. This exact issue has been raised time and time again from the business community with the governments, but the government has just stuck with their wording, stuck stuck with the way they've drafted this bill and, and put that into the into the um, into the Senate to be voted on. Not only that, like I said before, Tony Burke has been misrepresenting all the facts. He's been misleading us all in his conversations and announcements about service contractors being excluded. When Professor Andrew Stewart has specifically pointed out where it says that no service contractors are covered by the bill. Um, it's up to a commission member whether they'll feel it's fair or reasonable to pull that away or not. But depending on which commissioner you get there, we'll decide um, how fair or reasonable that is because with no definition of fair and reasonable, it's the commissioner's choice, right? And we all know the government's just put 13 new commission members into the commission um, who are ex-union ex delegates and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, good luck. Good luck, but thankfully that's going to be on hold. We're not going to push forward with that just now. Um, but look, you know the 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 problem is, like I, like I said before, reading between the lines, that th there's a clear ambition for the Labor government to unionise the entire nation. There, there's no um, there's no other aim here. Um, Sally McManus, the, the ACTU secretary, even states that she wants zero exemptions for small businesses for, for, the, for this bill that went through. Zero exemptions. Um, now, let, so let's look at that in reality, right? So unions are so, are so anti-small business that it, it's just disgusting, right? And small business is what drives our economy, it drives innovation, it drives most of the employment in the country. Um, now, unions want to treat everybody like they're a tier one operator, like they're a BHP Billiton or a Telstra, you know, like these big businesses, even a Qantas, let's, let's not mention Qantas right now, all the shit they're going through and all the, all the rubbish they've done. Um, but um, those big tier ones, the union wants to apply all the same rules to every business in the, in the nation whether you have one employee 
for 100,000 employees. That should be concerning and alarming. Um, not least due to the proposal in this bill to fine you $7.8 million for an underpayment and also put you into jail for 10 years for an underpayment. Um, now, the, the, the bill will be alarmingly short on detail with respect to what, what conditions uh, would have to be present to put you in jail for 10 years. Um, and, and that's also you know, quite alarming as well, the, the, the lack of detail and the lack of thought that goes into these bills that the Labor government produces. So, you know, it, it's, it, this is uh, for all employees out there, I get it. I do get it. I had a conversation with a client of mine just last week and I'm like, you know, I just, you know, I'm 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 in this industrial relations world. I'm always reading the updates and trying to get my head around what the government's doing next with laws so I can help my clients. But um, you know, so I'm, I'm embroiled in this sort of stuff. But I just can't imagine how a government that does this sort of um, uh, you know careless and negligent change or proposes to how it can be re-elected, right? And a client of mine rightly pointed out, the you know, majority of people watching news, majority of people reading articles, um, listening to media, um, they're employees, right? They work, they're workers. Majority of people are those. Um, as far as they're concerned, their personal interests, they'd be, you know, forgiven for thinking they're being looked after by these, uh, by these proposed changes. But... You know, if, if anyone's got any sort of commercial sense um, and understands how economies work and um, has any real understanding or even just a surface-level understanding of, of what government decisions actually mean for consumers, you would realise the employees are the ones who are going to pay, right? There's, there's been figures produced that this closing the loopholes bill would cost um, the consumer in this country up to $9 billion. Just this one bill they put in the Senate last week cost the consumer in Australia $9 billion, right? Um, and, and that's the reality of these changes. The, these changes drive prices of operating businesses up at a time where productivity is the worst it's probably ever been in, in the country. They're going to put bullshit bills like this into the, into the Senate and drive the consumer's uh, cost of living up by another um, a further $9 billion. Um, you know, but, you know, they give themselves a pat on the back, thinking they're targeting tier ones, they're targeting BHP, they're targeting Qantas, they're targeting Telstra, they're targeting all these bigger businesses um, who are, you know, you know, banks and m mega profits and this sort of stuff. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's why they're giving themselves pats on the back. Um, for this sort of work when it's just bullshit, you know, 80% of the people it's affecting are small businesses. Um, so don't don't forget that. Let's not forget that. Now, we mentioned Qantas. We, you know, Qantas, um, what they're going through right now isn't really an industrial relations uh, problem. But let's talk about it because it's certainly, an H, it's certainly a HR problem. It certainly is. And... And why is that? You know, I, I was thinking about this uh, just this morning, actually. You know, if, if you, you again, if you read between the lines between uh, the, the the Labor government's decisions, um, Alan Joyce, who the the, ex, the exited the now departed CEO of Qantas, uh, his decisions 
to uh, to sell essentially fake tickets on flights um, and make you know five hundred and seventy million dollars from the consumer that were that were never going to be realised with expiry dates on those vouchers and that sort of thing, um, and also receiving millions and millions of dollars from the government as a bailout, and then convincing the government to block international airlines coming to the country so they can um, limit and restrict the competition, drive their prices up again, and then have old Alan Joyce, CEO, go, I've done a great job, give me my $24 million bonus and I'm out of here, see you later. I mean, that's disgusting, right? And it reeks of, it reeks of corruption, both on the government side and Alan Joyce. Um, and who else in there knows, okay? Who else in there knows what happened? Who on the boards privy to this? Whatever, you know, draw your conclusions. But let's look at Qantas as a business. They'll get behind political messages, right? They'll throw their weight behind yes campaigns and they'll throw their weight behind um, this program and that program and beat their chest about how, about, you know, whatever, um, you know, good program they're, they're backing in the, in the government and communities and that sort of thing. Very, very much left-leaning um, politics they get right behind, right? But in reality, look how they treat their consumer. They lie. They steal their money. They sell products that don't exist. Um, and they treat them, they treat the consumer like mugs um, and just put absolute disdain on the name of, of, of a good business that tens of thousands of people work for and go to work for and probably wake up in, in weeks like this week and dread going to work and dread putting on that Qantas shirt um, and don't want to be there. There's your HR issue. Right, there it is. Um, people are not going to be happy working for that business. You know, it, it, it's already a, ter a terribly run business, you know, and, and that's largely, I would say, Alan Joyce has been there for way too long. A CEO of an organisation that large, um, you know, should be turning over uh, far more frequently than 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 what this guy's done. Um, so I'm going to just search now and see how long he was in. Greatest Googler. Let's have a look. Here we go. Alan Joyce, CEO from 2008 until 2023 how's that right has he done that great well i don't think so Qantas has had so many issues in that time um and and this guy should have been pushed out a long time ago um ceos uh you know in organizations like that that size um you know you, you've, you've got to be better you have to be better so that that tells me that there's sort of some, some sort of relationships going on between the board and, and the CEO um, that that keep a guy like that in in, in that role um, hasn't performed that well for a long time, but he still held, held that job for what you know 15 years or something. Um, so crazy, crazy. But there's your HR issue, right? You, you can't you can't be a, you can't be a business that um, imposes ideologies on your people. Um, tells them how they need to vote in referendums, tells them how they're supposed to believe, sorry, how they're supposed to feel about um, 
about genders and races and and all sorts of things. Um, tells them, um, you know, that they're wrong for having their own personal views and they need to espouse the views of a business. Um, but on the other hand, lines their pockets with tens of millions of dollars personally in personal bonuses uh, as a reward for ripping off almost $600 million from the Australian consumer. Um, but, you know, you can just imagine the decisions being made internally there from management and how it feels to work for a business like that. HR nightmare. Um, one, you what probably a business you want to avoid at all costs, really, if you're looking for a decent career. Um, so they've got some work to do. You know, they've got some they've got some some serious work to do, uh, and and you know, hopefully they get through it because they they they're a big employer. Um, the government will say they blocked they blocked their uh, other airlines coming in, so um, you know they could protect Australian workers and that sort of thing. But that's just garbage. That's bullshit. If Qantas is that bad, then they they need they need to drop out of the running, you know. Um, an, an entire industry, which is a global industry, won't collapse in Australia because Qantas isn't there. Not going to happen, right? Won't happen. Uh, we've seen it before. They'll be fine. There, there, there are always going to be jobs in that in that sense. So when that happens, you know, these other airlines will expand and they'll come in. They're better operators. Um, they might be smaller, more nimble. They might not have such high operating costs and they can come in and buy buy planes and, and bring employees on, that sort of stuff, and they will fill those gaps and take on those workers. So um, yeah, the, the government claiming they're saving jobs, absolute bullshit. Anyhow, look, there's, there's a bit of an IR update for you this time around. Um, you know, the... The attention on industrial relations recently has all been about this bill. Um, and finally, we've got some breathing space from this government. This, this government's been reckless in the way they've approached um, Fair Work Act amendments since December last year. Um, and this time around, it was it was tenfold worse. So finally, we've got some breathing space. Thank you to the Senate for, for putting this on ice and getting a, a closer look at it and inviting the multiple stakeholders back into the conversation to be genuinely heard with this inquiry into the bill because uh, the government wasn't doing it legitimately. So let's, let's hope it gets done properly now. Um, look, as a, a reminder again, if you do like this, this podcast, if you want to share some things you'd like to hear about it, if you want to come on and have a, have a chat with me and share some views um, that oppose mine or even agree with mine, I'm, I'm open to that as well. Do reach out. Let me know. Let's have a conversation. Um, I'm always up for that. And um, once again, if you do like the podcast, uh, give it a follow, give it a subscribe, give it a like or whatever um, you know, the platform you're listening to this on allows you to do. Um, that'll be much appreciated and, um, and and we'll do great things for the podcast. Also, jump over to www.workplaceas.com and, uh, you know, you, you can you can let us know there if you want to be uh, sort of added onto our monthly updates and our, our legal updates and that sort of stuff or not legal updates. We don't give legal advice, but just industrial relations updates, generally speaking. Um, you can download some free employee performance management tools as well, um, and um, and they're they're great to to have to implement and start to drive some some more productivity out of your people and out of your workforce. So get over there and check that out. Until next time, thank you for joining me again, and keep it tight, workplace. <laughs>